Well, good evening, everybody. We're going to have to try that again. Come on in. We just got out of a blizzard. You're free. Good evening, everybody. Yeah, that's a little bit better. It's wonderful to see you here tonight at the table, the second table in the history of the world. And, and you made it. It's wonderful to see you. If we haven't met, my name's Austin. I get to serve here as uh, one of our lead pastors. And I am so glad to get to be with you all uh, tonight because you all, college students and young adults, you are all one of my favorite things about the Vista. Many of you may not realize this because it was, it was many, many moons ago, but I actually used to be the college pastor here at the Vista. You're in much better hands now with Sid, but even though that I'm now, um, anybody want to guess how old I am? Any guesses? Want to venture one? 37. Get out, JT. No, not 37. 35 years old. Ding, ding, ding. 35 years old now with three kids and 8.30 bedtime and pre-gaming it now means taking Tums instead of, you know, some other things. I still consider myself one of you, and it's wonderful to be here with you tonight. If you will have me, Chris, uh, it's wonderful to be with you tonight. Um, I hope you're excited, man, about what God is up to uh, among you all, um, because something special really is going on. Both Nick and Sydney have, have touched on it, especially last month, and then Nick again this morning, that it's so important that instead of sitting around and wondering what God might have for you next, Right, like when you graduate or get your real job or get married or have kids or whatever it is, instead of wondering and daydreaming about what God might have for you next, you learn how to embrace what God does in fact have for you right now because let me help you out here, all right? You can't live anything but right now. This is all you got. This is all you've got to embrace. You can't live in the future. You can't live in next. You've got to learn how to embrace what God wants to do in you, among you, especially out in our community right now. And to that end... This semester, we're spending our, our four sessions here at the table examining this idea of God's will, right? Like, uh, what is God's will? What's God's will for your life? How do you discern it? How do you sort it out? How do you find it? And Sid did an awesome job last month reminding us, right, that if you want to know God's will, what do you need to know? Do you remember? Yeah, then you need to know God, right? There are no shortcuts. God's will is not like a shortcut to get around actually needing to know God. No, if you want to know God's will, then you need to know God. She did a great job with that. So what I'm going to do tonight and I'm going to kind of pick up where she left off. She left me a little bitty thread. I'm going to take that thread. We're going to weave something with it tonight. So we'll start off with a show of hands, okay? And need a little bit of participation here. Show of hands. Does anybody in here tonight want to know God's will for their life? Anybody? Ah, oh, yeah, it's right around 100%. Well, lucky for you, I, I'm a man of the people. I'm a man of the people. And so I'm going to do something special for two people tonight. Two people tonight are going to get a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to discover God's will for their lives. You ready for that? I'm not playing around. I'm really going to tell you. So I need two volunteers. I need a guy and a girl. We'll keep it nice and gender diverse and all that. My man here in the middle, you come on up. And then I need a girl. I need a girl as well. Okay, come on up. Y'all give them a hand. Y'all come on up here to the stage. All right. Here's Mike here. What's your name? Tell about your name. John. John. Okay, and your name? Abby. Abby. Abby and John. All right, so you're going to have to answer a couple questions for me because what I'm about to do here, it's, it's serious, okay? It's not some sort of voodoo, black magic. This is this complicated biblical equation where I take your answers. I multiply them by nine. I divide them by nine. I multiply them by one. I divide them by... You, do you trust me? Yeah. You, I'm your pastor. You trust me. Okay. <laughs> so first question, John, is uh, how tall are you? Six one. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That sounds about right. Next, John. Um, do you sing in the shower? 
Yes. Yeah, you look like you sing in the shower. I could guess that. You look like a guy who sings in the shower. Finally, okay, okay. If a turtle loses his shell, is he naked or homeless? Homeless. Homeless. Okay. Sounds about right. Thought you'd say that. All right. So this is God's will for your life. You can't open this until the very end, though, deal. If you open it, you're going to hell, man. All right. All right. So you can go. You can go sit down. You come up at the end. All right. You're up now. No pressure there, Abby. All right. Gonna have to give you a few questions too. So first off, um, what's your middle name? Elaine. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. It's a beautiful middle name. Yeah, it's my grandma's name. Beautiful middle name. Mine too. Sure, she's a lovely woman. She is. Um, all right, second question. Who was your first celebrity crush? Chris Evans. Join the club, you know? <laughs> yeah, Captain America. Um, okay, third and final question. Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Think about this. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yes, okay. <laughs> that <laughs> all right okay now take that same deal if you open it you go to hell uh, we'll get to you at the end though you can go sit down abby y'all give him a hand so now for my uh for my next trick i'm gonna read your minds we'll do some mind reading because what you're thinking now is there's no way i could possibly just told john and abby don't you peek at it did you just peek do you want to go to hell my goodness, you are brave. Brazen attempt at a peak over there. Um, you're thinking there's no way I could have possibly just told them what God's will for their life is. Right? If that's you, I understand your skepticism. Like, why would God tell me what his will for their lives is instead of just telling them? Right? It's a good question, but it's a question that is premised on a very questionable assumption. Namely, if you're wondering why God would tell me what his will for their lives is and not just tell them, then you're assuming what? You are assuming that God has, in fact, not already told them what his will for their lives is, right? And in my experience, this tends to be our assumption, right? We assume that God hasn't told us his will for our lives, which is why we need to try to seek it and find it. That's the way most of us think about it. We assume God hasn't told us his will for our lives, so it is our job to try to seek it and find it. But what I want to suggest to you tonight, what I'm going to argue to you, is that the Bible is actually very, very clear that God has, in fact, already told each and every one of you what his will for your life is. Do you feel like I'm a heretic yet? It's going to get worse. I'm just warning you, right? I'm going to try to convince you that you actually already know what God's will for your life is. It has already been revealed to you. So what we're going to do first is we're going to do a brief survey of all the places in the Bible that talk about the will of God. That sound good? There's actually just a small handful of them. We're going to start with seven of them. They'll be up here on the screen. All right, Mark 3, verse 35. That's our first one. It says, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. This is Jesus talking there. Mark 3, 35. John 7, 16 through 17. So Jesus answered them. He said, my teaching is not mine, but it's his who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, then he will know of the teaching, whether it's of God or whether I speak from myself. John 7, 16 through 17. John 9, 31. But if anyone is God-fearing and does his will then God hears him. John 9, 31. Ephesians 6, 5 through 6 now, a little bit longer. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ, 
not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Right, Hebrews 10, <clears throat> 35 through 36. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Right, that was Hebrews 10. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus Christ our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will. Seventh and final one for now, 1 John 2, verse 17. The world, ah, the world's passing away and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God is going to live forever. And 1 John 2, 17. Now, if you were paying attention, paying very close attention, then you probably noticed that every single time that God's will was mentioned in these verses, it was attached to an action verb. But interestingly enough, that action verb was not seek or find. Do you notice that? In other words, all of these verses instruct us about God's will. And yet all of these verses that instruct us about God's will do not instruct us to try to seek or find God's will. Isn't that kind of weird? Anybody else find that a little bit weird? Like you would think that if seeking and finding God's will was such a big deal, God might have bothered to tell us about it, I don't know, somewhere in the Bible, but instead we don't find it. So every single time God's will was mentioned, it was attached to an action verb. But rather than being told to try to seek or find God's will, in every single one of those verses, we're told to what? Did you pick up on it? Anybody? We are told to do God's will. In all seven of those verses, you are told to do God's will. In other words, instead of instructing us to seek God's will, all of these verses instruct us to do God's will, which brings us to a very, very important observation. All right, here it is. Now, we assume that we don't know God's will, and thus we need to look for it. But Scripture assumes that we do know God's will, and thus we need to stop looking for it, and need to start doing it. All right? And again, I, I know what you're thinking right now. I really do. Now, you're thinking, well, be that as it may, Austin, in the Bible... I do not know God's will for my life, <clears throat> right? Anybody? I, I don't know what I'm supposed to major in. I don't know who I'm supposed to marry, if I'm supposed to marry, how many kids I'm supposed to have, what I'm supposed to do when I grow up. I don't know any of that stuff. <clears throat> so whatever the Bible says, I don't know it. And if that's you, again, I feel your pain. <clears throat> and so what I want to do is look at all the places in the Bible where we are explicitly told what the will of God for our lives is. You ready for that one? All right, we're about to look at every place in the Bible where you are explicitly told what the will of God for your life is. All right, first one, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 2 through 4. For this is the will of God, you ready for it? That you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. This is God's will. All right, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 2, verse 15. For it is God's will, listen up, here it is. It is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk. 
of foolish people. Right, that's God's will for you. Finally, Micah 6, verse 8, very famous text for good reason. He's told you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? What's God's will for you? Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with the Lord your God. Four places in the Bible where you're told this. And again, if you're paying attention, then you probably notice that in all these explicit biblical explanations of God's will for your life, something very important was missing. Do you notice what it was? Namely, there, there was no mention of God having, much less you seeking, a specific, perfect plan for your life. Did you notice that? And again, I know that might be like pretty startling for you. Your head might be spinning a little bit right now because I know a lot of us have grown up our entire lives being told that God has this single, specific, perfect plan for our lives and our mission in life to try to uncover and discover God's secret, perfect plan for your life. And yet I cannot emphasize this strongly enough. Okay, if you don't hear anything else, you need to hear this. I cannot emphasize this strongly enough. Scripture does not say that God has a specific, perfect will for your life that he wants you to find. I know you may think I'm a heretic, but I promise it's true. All right? And that's because instead of thinking specifically about God's will, Scripture tends to think generally about God's will. Okay, I'll say that again. Instead of thinking specifically about God's will for your life, Scripture tends to think more generally about God's will for your life. For example, right? What is God's will for your life according to all those scriptures that we just read that explicitly explain God's will for your life? What's God's will for your life? Well, God's will for your life is that you would be holy and sanctified instead of sleeping around with people you're not married to. That's God's will for your life. What's God's will for your life is that you would rejoice without ceasing and pray all the time. What's God's will for your life is that you would do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with the Lord your God. In other words, God's will is not some cryptic, complicated, divine, algebraic equation that he is challenging you to try to solve, right? This is not what God's will looks like. <clears throat> Rather, God's will is like this big, enormous ocean that he is inviting you to jump in. And to just state the obvious here, right? Do you try to solve this? You don't, What do you do with this? It's not, it's not a trick question. You jump into that, man. You don't try to solve that. You just jump into it. <clears throat> and God's will is the same way. And I hope, I hope that that strikes you as incredibly liberating. Because you know what that means, right? It means that you can stop obsessing over whether or not you have found or you are going to find God's specific, perfect plan for your life. Because the, that will make you a crazy person. And I say this with all love. Some of you are crazy. And you've been made crazy by the fact that you're, you're obsessing about whether or not you're going to find like God's perfect plan for your life. Because think about this. If God has a perfect will for your life, a single perfect will for your life, and achieving that perfect will means you like discerning the, the secret voice of God, the whisper of God in your heart, and, and going through all the tea leaves and connecting all the providential dots. If discerning God's will means you perfectly discerning that in every single situation you get yourself into, then you will turn yourself into a neurotic mess, right? Because you and I both know that there is no way you're going to do that. There's no way you're going to perfectly discern God's will. <clears throat> and so how liberating is it to understand that God's will is not something that you find or don't find, but it's something that you obey or you disobey. Are right, you following with me here? 
God's will. It's not something you need to find. It has already been revealed. It's something you obey or disobey. For example, what did Micah say God's will for your life was? Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with the Lord your God. And that is something that you can obey or disobey. But it is not something you need to find because it has already been revealed to you. Think of it this way. We'll get a little bit more specific here. And I'm sure that none of you have ever done this, probably just me. But let's imagine... Let's imagine you're dating somebody. I know some of you are really going to have to imagine. I'm kidding. Let's imagine... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. (laughs) Nell's got a kick out of that one. Um, Imagine you're dating somebody. You know, really imagine hard. And um, let's say it's getting pretty serious. Things are getting pretty serious. And you know what happens when you've been dating somebody for a while, you know, and you're kind of a grown-up and it's getting serious. You know what happens. Maybe you're, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe you're... Maybe sleeping around, or maybe you're doing those things that are almost sleeping around, but they don't count, you know. Maybe you're doing that. Maybe you're doing some of that. And so you're, you're, you're praying, and you're wondering, like, man, is he or she the one? Is she the one? And so you're praying, and you're asking God. You're like, God, p- p- please give me a sign. Like, help me know if she's the one. Whisper the answer down into the recesses of my heart. God, please tell me, what's your will for my life? Is it, is it your will that I marry her? And God's like, stop sleeping with her. And you're like, ah, you, you cut out there. Um, <laughs> I, I lost you for a second. Please, Abba Father, wonderful counselor, I, I know that you know the plans that you have for me. <clears throat> Dear God, please tell me the plans that you have for me. I was like, okay, okay. Do you have a pencil this time? Yes, Lord, I have my prayer journal. Stop sleeping with her. That is my will for your relationship. All right? And so that's the good news, okay? God's will can be obeyed or disobeyed, but it doesn't need to be found because it has already been revealed. It has already been revealed. But what might initially feel like the bad news is that that means a lot of your life is left unexplained, right? Right? Like the Bible tends to think generally, not specifically, that means a lot of your life is is unexplained, and that can be kind of tricky. And so to examine this a little bit, let's continue with this example of, of marriage. Right? So like, how do, you, how do you know and how do you discern whether or not you're supposed to marry somebody? If this is the person you should marry or if you're supposed to marry somebody. So Philip Carey, he's a theologian I like. He, he's written a lot about this. And he says that when you're trying to make a big decision, like who, who you should marry, you should stop asking questions like, is he or she the one? That's a dumb question. I know it feels like a profound question. It is a dumb question. And instead of that, you got to ask yourself these four questions. Here's what he says. Is this a good and godly person? Is this person good for me? Am I good for this person? Can we be good parents together? These are the sort of questions you should ask yourself if you're thinking about getting married. Now, um, I know this is not quite as romantic as many of you would like, and you're probably thinking, Austin, you must be a blast to be married to, man. Um, I'm great to be married to, I promise I am. But I'm just telling you, I've seen uh, immature desires for romance ruin many a marriage and relationship. And this, those four questions, that is what mature, grown-up, biblical decision-making looks like. Not please whisper into my heart if he or she is the one. Now listen to what Carrie says. He says there is no the one for you to marry. 
Brother, there are many good people with whom you can make a good marriage, and a good marriage with a good person is good enough. Come on now. Indeed, it's more than good enough. It's one of the greatest blessings on earth. Young people need to know that a good marriage comes of two good people being faithful and good to one another and being good parents together. It's not the result of finding the one person you're supposed to marry, an imaginary person, the very idea of which gets them anxious about all the wrong things. All All that to say, God doesn't have a asterisk plan for your life. Okay? God does not have a, a single specific perfect plan for your life. And that is good news. I know it might feel like good news right now, but I promise it's good news because if God had like a single specific perfect plan for your life, then you know, you blew it when you were like three years old, man. Have you been around a three-year-old? Three-year-olds are terrible. I have a three-year-old, my man Davis, but he's a total butthead. He called me a butthead today. God's will for his life is gone, man. It is so far gone. God has a perfect will for your life. You blew it when you were three. You can quote me on that one. No, rather than having a plan for your life, God invites you to create a life that honors Him, that brings you great joy, and that is a blessing to the world. That is God's will for you. And that could probably be many different things, right? It could could be many different things, just like it could have been so many different things for me. I mean, y'all, I didn't marry my wife, Allison, because she was the one and only one for me. You can title. She, she knows. I didn't marry her because she was the one and only one for me. No, I married my wife, Allison, not because she was the one, but because I wanted her to be the one that I spent the rest of my life with. That's why I married my wife. And I didn't have to be a pastor. It wasn't like the one thing I had to do. Clearly, I could have done a lot of things. Could have been a professional basketball player, you know, among other things. Why are you laughing at that, man? John, I thought we were friends, bro. I told you God's will for your life. Like, Tim, no. No, and, and, you know, we didn't, we have three kids. We didn't have to have three kids. You know, I didn't go like, you know, before our third kid, I didn't go, dear God, Alice and I, we're going to get off birth control, do our thing, see what happens. And if we have a baby, then we'll know it was your will. No, I have friends who tell me stuff like that. Oh, we just, you know, we're going to see what happens. I guess it was God's will that had another baby. I'm like, no, it wasn't God's will. You just don't know how to use a condom, bro. Like, it's no blame it on God. I can help you out if you don't know how to do it. It's very, very simple. You want to know how we had a third kid in the Fisher household? I'll tell you what happened. It wasn't dear God show us what happens. No, my wife said, I want a third kid. And I said, I don't. So we had a third kid. That's how it happened in the Fisher household. That's where babies come from. Your wife says, I want another one. And I'm so glad we did because look at my baby girl, y'all. Oh, me amor. Oh, back off, guys. She's taking. So I want to end by getting as practical as I know how, okay? I'm gonna get as practical as I know how here. When you're trying to make good and wise decisions, what scripture teaches us and that is that, you know, like instead of begging God to show you his perfect will for your life, and have you ever thought about how crazy that is? Like if God is a good father, you think you have to like beg him to tell you his will for your life? Like my little boys, you know, they were like, Dad, you know, and this door is a wonderful life and this door is, you know, uh, I get murdered. Please, please tell me which one. My boys don't have to beg me to tell them which door to go through, man. Not to beg God to tell you his perfect will for your life. Rather, what scripture teaches us instead is that you look for the overlap of three things. Okay, and I'm going to unpack this. Desire, 
gifting and blessing. You look for the overlap of those two things. And here's what I mean. When you're trying to make big decisions, you know, and if it's some little thing like where you're going to eat dinner, you need to pray about that. Just go Chick-fil-A, man. This is not complicated. Just go and get whatever you want. It's all good. It's smorgasbord. But when you're making those big decisions, you want, you know, God's help. You want some discernment. Then here are three questions that you should ask yourself. All right? What do I want to do? What do you want to do? Like, what do you desire to do? God's given you your desires. God made you a certain way. So what do you want to do? That's a fair question. I hope that's liberating for you to know. It's okay for you to ask yourself, like, I don't know, man. <clears throat> what do I want to do here? Right, that's the first question. Second question, what am I good at? Right, what am I gifted to do? Like, you may want to be Adele, but if you can't sing, girl, it's not God's will that you be Adele. You may want to be an accountant. You can't count. Not going to be my accountant. You know, God ain't called you to be an accountant. Right? So you look for that overlap. What do I desire? What am I good at? And then finally, does it bless others? Does it bless the world? In any place where those three things overlap, and we made a little Venn diagram for you, right? Any place where those three things overlap, desire, gifting, and blessing, that is God's will for you. Period. Any place desire, gifting, and blessing overlap, that is within the bounds of God's will for you. You don't have to agonize over it. You don't have to beg God to tell you His perfect will for your life. Any place they overlap, that is God's will. And that will probably be many different things, won't it? So many different good things. And so you just need to choose. You just need to make a decision. And that brings us back to our... Uh, our two volunteers, John, John and Abby, y'all come up here. We're going we're gonna to discover God's will for your life all together here. All right, so uh, first off, John, let's, let's have you here. Let's have you tell us what God's will for your life is. You didn't pick, did you? No. Uh, you're still here, so okay. Whatever you are, be a good one. Right. Honest Abe Lincoln. Right? Whatever you are, be a good one. That's God's will for your life, man. Okay, you can sit down. Abby? What's God's will for your life? Um, love God and do as you please. Love God and do as you please. It's St. Augustine. You know, Augustine is a very early church father. That's pretty good. That's God's will for your life. You can go sit down too. Right? And so what I love about these two quotes is that in them, old, uh, you know, old, old honest Abe and St. Augustine, they're really just saying what the Bible has already said. Namely, you don't have to agonize over what God's will for your life is. Because God's already told you what His will for your life is. That you live a life that honors Him. That brings you great joy. And that is a blessing to the world. So stop sitting around begging God to tell you something He has already made perfectly clear. And instead, you know what you need to do? You just need to jump in. The water is great. And there are so many good options before you. Right, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for the gift of tonight. Thank you for all my friends who have gathered here. A lot of new friends I hadn't met before. I'm grateful for the good and gracious things you are doing among our college students and our young adults. And I know that it's a season, man, especially the 18 to 35-year-old season. It's a season where we can get all caught up in looking forward to the future and begging you to tell us what to do. And, and it's good for us to want your input. But God, your will is not meant to be a source of anxiety for us. It's meant to be a source of joy, a source of peace, a source of blessing for the world. And so 
I pray that you would liberate us from this well-intentioned but very destructive notion that you've got this single perfect will that we all know we blew when we were three anyways and yet we're supposed to agonize and listen to your secret voice in our heart all the time and, and hope we get it right. And instead, God, we've just realized that, man, you created this big, awesome world. And there are all these awesome things that we can do. So many wonderful ways to spend our lives. And so as long as we are doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with you, we are free. We are free to love you and do as we please. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.